we're starting a new series on the end times and I'm kind of starting from I'm kind of taking it backward here so we'll start tonight with talking about martyrdom this has taken me a while to process uh, you know it's been in my heart for weeks and weeks and weeks and it, it's taken me a while to process and uh I got to a place where I became absolutely convinced that it is important for the body of Christ. I know I don't represent the body of Christ. I know we here do not represent the entirety of the body of Christ. But one, one, one soul at a time, yes. But I've come to realize that it's important for the body of Christ to understand some of these things. Let's start our reading tonight from. Matthew chapter 10 from verse 16. And Jesus speaking said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. For when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. In other words, you have to be completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver our brother to death, and the father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. What are we enduring? Hatred? Persecution? Verse 23 says, When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now this is not literal, this is symbolic. Basically, Jesus is saying here, wherever you are, in that case, it was Israel for his disciples. God so saying, if they persecute you in this city, flee to the next city. Now, I will I, I will explain some things about this. Um, I'll show us a scripture in the book of in the book of Revelation, and I will explain some things about this. Why is it that sometimes, or rather, Jesus said here clearly that? we should flee if if you see persecution coming like uh back then in kaduna state when the church was being persecuted a lot of believers left okay and that was the right thing to do because you see um satan will try to do anything to to frustrate the propagation of the gospel and so it doesn't kill people i, I have said this many times before and i'm going to say it again Satan really doesn't care if you end up in heaven or hell. It doesn't. It doesn't affect him in any way. 
you know, um, what Satan cares about is that God's agenda and God's purpose on the earth is thwarted. That is it. Okay, the, the Satan's own objective basically is the battlefield for him is Earth. He doesn't care what happens after Earth because he knows his future. He knows his future. He knows even if people go to hell, he's still going to suffer that same fate eventually. So it, it really doesn't make much of a difference to him. Satan keeps killing Christians even though he knows he's sending them to heaven, right? He doesn't care. He just wants to. He just wants to um, hamper the progress of the spread of the gospel on this earth, and that is it. Okay. So, um, so Jesus is saying here that when you are persecuted in a city, you move to another city. Please take note of that because this is very important. The Bible says there is no temptation or test or trial that comes before us that is not common to man but in every temptation god has also provided a way of escape now it is important that we listen carefully with an open mind because everything that is about to befall humanity and especially the body of christ god has created sort of not an absolute system, but sort of a way of escape. Because not everybody is destined to die a martyr. Not everybody is destined to die a martyr. And I'm going to show us again in scriptures. Okay, not everybody is destined to die a martyr. So it would, you know, if if you if it's not your destiny, then you should. Uh, the, 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 there's a story of Polycarp. Polycarp. Polycarp was a, a direct uh, disciple of the apostle John. And um, and several times, if if the Roman soldiers were coming to get him, you know, he would either receive a vision, a revelation, an intuition, or somebody would, would inform him, and he'd escape. And he kept doing that until he was about ninety something years old. And one time, he slept, and he had a vision, and his pillow was on fire. In the vision. And when he woke up, he instantly knew what it meant, that it was time for him to die. And he was supposed to die by being burned at the stake. And so when the Romans were coming this time, in usual fashion, his team came to move him away. And he told them, no, said, don't worry. Um, this time I have to go. Okay, so it, it was made clear to him that that was his future, that was his destiny. In the case of Paul, in the case of Peter, Jesus made it very clear to Peter. He said, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted to go, you did whatever you wanted to do. But when you are old, people will take you to where you don't want to go. And the Bible is clear that Jesus was saying this in respect to the way Peter was going to die. So Peter knew that he was going to die a certain way. When Jesus appeared to Paul, Jesus made it clear to Paul that you are going to suffer many things for my namesake. So Paul knew he was called to be a martyr. Jesus knew that he was born to be a martyr. And that's why, uh, it may not be the reason why, but it made sense that 
people like Jesus and Paul did not have families because Paul knew from the day he became a Christian, from the day God called him, he knew that he was going to die a martyr. He knew the kind of life that he was going to live. So there was really no point bringing a family into that kind of system because you see, as beautiful as families are, um, family can be a weakness. Okay, Jesus was very clear, said, if you love father or mother, you know, more than me, you're not, you're not worthy. And there was a reason he said that. I don't know how many of us watch movies, but sometimes we see even the most hardened terrorists um, refusing to divulge information. But once their families are threatened, then they just begin to do what they are told to do. Okay, and Jesus is saying that unless we get to a point where we are so tough that even if you see a gun put to your mother's head, you are not going to renounce your faith. That's what Jesus is saying. We'll get to that part. Let's continue. Verse 24, Matthew chapter 10. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? So Jesus is saying, if I suffer this, then you will also suffer likewise. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Verse 27. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetop. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you are more value than many sparrows. Verse 32. Please take note, all of this, Jesus is still speaking within the same context. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I am come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of it. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So this is Jesus being very explicit about a number of things. Some of them being the fact that, one, he expects us to be able to die for him. Secondly, um, there are certain weaknesses that we need to be mindful of, and that is family. Now, please don't take what I am saying out of context. Family is a beautiful thing, but the scripture is clear that 
when push comes to shove, God expects us to take him over families. So let me paint a picture that a lot of us will not like, but I want to paint this picture anyway. So I once heard a, a South African criminal, because I mean, he said he's been living in the streets, he's a criminal, he robs people and stuff like that. And he said he has been to a house where he told the woman, give me money, and the woman refused to cooperate. And he took the woman's baby and put the baby in the oven. And the woman had to go and bring everything that she had. And that is how far the world is willing to go to get what they want. And why am I saying this? You know, when we talk about not denying Christ, there's a dimension of it that is, okay, just you, at gunpoint, a gun to your head, deny Christ. No, I won't deny Christ, boom. But then it's a completely different picture when you see someone you love, or a child, or a baby, that is about to be given a very brutal treatment unless you deny Christ. So these are things that we need to start thinking of. I, I want to read something to us. This is Bible study I know, but, but before I read it, most of us, I believe everybody here knows what a suicide bomber is. We know what the, the Muslims, the Islamic extremists, what, what they do around the world and how they go about it. And we, we laugh at them and mock them for blowing themselves up because they want to get 72 virgins. And while it is ridiculous, have you ever sat down to actually consider the fact that these people do the things they do because they have absolute faith in their prophet, in their text, and in their God. Absolute faith that a man is willing to strap a bomb to himself and blow himself up. And I discovered something. <clears throat> Two verses from their sacred text. Number one, it says, Do not say regarding those who are slain in the path of God that they are dead. No, I need to make this very clear who I am referring to. I am reading from the Quran now. In case somebody listening to this audio will think I am reading from the Bible. I am reading from the Quran right now. Do not say regarding those who are slain in the path of God that they are dead. Rather, they are alive, but you are not aware. And then another verse says, Do not consider as dead those who are slain in the path of God. Rather, they are alive and well provided for in the presence of their Lord. These people believe these two passages and everything they do, their willingness to die is all built on these two passages. You and I know it's not true. We know that they are being deceived, but I'm saying that they believe in it so much that 
there are people that volunteer. As a, as a matter of fact, most of the suicide bombers are volunteers. The people that volunteer to be suicide bombers because they believe in this. And, and so some of us sit down and think, oh, these people, they don't have value for life. Yes, Mr. Mike, the, the, the belief and the conviction is, is through the roof. We sit and think, oh, they don't have value for life. No, no. They have value for life. And that is why they don't like it when you hurt their family. But they have faith and conviction in a supposedly higher purpose that they are willing to let go of this life because of that purpose. So as much as their ways are evil, I think we could learn a thing or two from them about faith and conviction. Because that, that is faith to the extreme. The, the, the funny thing is that is the mindset that Christians are supposed to have. But we love this world too much. We just love this life too much. We just love it too much. Look, I've, I've said this many times before and I'm going to say it again. I am not afraid to die. I just don't want to die for nothing. Okay? I don't want to die for nothing. I don't want to die a useless death. But I'm not afraid to die. There's no pain in death. No pain in death. But we have not been taught in the body of Christ. We believe that martyrdom is is a tragic occurrence. Uh, but there are certain things that are certain. And one of those certain things is that the Church of Christ is about to face a level of persecution that it has never faced before. But here we are not being prepared for it. Here we are thinking, oh, before things get really bad, Jesus is going to come and get us out of this. But Jesus did not promise us that. The scripture we just read and other scriptures we're going to read actually show us that Jesus expects us to go through those difficulties without denying him. Okay, so our generation of Christianity is just all, you know, comfort and hype. And if it's not comfortable, it's not God. If it's going to stress me, it's not God. If this is the kind of attitude the missionaries had, Christianity would never have entered Africa. Because those people left electricity, they left good roads, they left automobiles, and came to Africa. My grandfather, in a village that I still consider too remote to go to, received the gospel in his village because a white man called Gilmore took it there. Let's read Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9. Matthew 24 from verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Now, now, when we say tribulation, I don't want anybody to... The word tribulation means persecution. It means, uh, it means hard times. It means tough times. And the, Bible is, it's, it's, uh, the Bible is clear about persecution. Paul told Timothy in, in, in the last days, perilous times will come. Okay, perilous times will come. These are hard times. I don't know why. I don't know why we just feel like 
we are going to be out of here before those things happen. The Bible doesn't teach that. Unfortunately, I have also taught that, but the Bible doesn't teach that. And just like so many other doctrines, uh, you know, in the Bible, we just pass them on without actually sitting down to scrutinize them and to analyze them. Just like I taught Titan in a certain way for several years until I actually sat down to look at the subject objectively by myself. And then I realized the Bible didn't say that. The Bible didn't say this. The Bible didn't say that. You know. Same thing with the, with the with the rapture. A lot of us have just, we grew up listening to certain things in Sunday school, listening to this. And so it has just created a mental block that even when the truth is beginning to stare us right in the face, we we just, because we've been indoctrinated, we've been indoctrinated. So, Jesus saying, then they will deliver you up tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Before I continue with what Jesus said, Let's read what Paul said, because then it's easy to say, uh, well, Jesus Jesus was not talking to the church. It's, it's easy to say that. Um, but let's see. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. I'll read from the Amplified Translation. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. It said, but understand this, that in the last days, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Please take note of that. So when the Bible says tribulation, it doesn't mean, it, 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 it just means persecution, hardship, anguish, but in a different level or at a different level, okay? And Paul is pretty much saying the same thing that in the last days, there will be tribulation. There will be trouble. That's what perilous times mean. He said, but understand is that in the last days will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, utterly self-centered, lovers of money, and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters, they will be abusive, blasphemous, coughing, disobedient parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection, callous and inhumane, relentless, admitting of no truth or appeasement. They will be slanderous, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good, they will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold the form of piety, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. They con they, 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 their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people, turn away from them, okay? The point is, Paul is clear that in the last days, there will be perilous times. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9. Then they will deliver you up tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, this is happening already. Um, Christianity is under pressure in America. It's been under pressure in Europe for a very long time. 
and the pressure is only increasing. Um, I was saying this to a group of friends earlier today, and I want to say to us, if if you have plans of going to Canada, make sure that God has led you to be there. Make sure that God has actually led you to be in Canada because very soon, Canada will persecute the church. They are already doing it in some way, but it will become heightened. And Canada will probably be the first Western country to criminalize Christianity. Please mark these things that I just said. Okay. Um, but the church is coming. What is class four, Mr. Mike? Mr. Mike said we are currently fighting class four. I'm not sure what class four is. Mr. Mike is, he lives in Canada, by the way. Oh, wow. So class four is a bill that prevents people from preaching the gospel. So they have passed a bill in Canada, which people are currently fighting. A bill that prevents people from preaching the gospel. I didn't know that. I had no idea that something like that was going on. Okay, but okay, this this just lets us know where we are, right? This lets us know where we are. And um, it's not yet in law, but it has passed through readings. It will make it actually, it will it will make it into law eventually. Maybe not now, but eventually it will make it into law because I see pastors and preachers being thrown into prison in Canada. So unless unless um, God has sent you to Canada, um, it's going to be a very difficult place for Christians and ministers of the gospel in in a very short while. In a very short while. So the Bible says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. The question is, why are many getting offended? Or why will many get offended? Now, most of us here, I am sure most of us here, 90% of us here, believe that the Antichrist, we will not have any encounter with the Antichrist. I also believed that once. Uh, most of us believe that we will not be here when the mark of the beast comes into uh, full force. Um, I also believed that once. Um, but I'd like to say that we were wrong. We were wrong. Um, but we'll talk about that in other classes, not tonight. We'll talk about it properly in other classes. But why will people be offended? It's because of where we are right now as the body of Christ, the, the state of mind that we have, because I think over 90% of Christians, if I'm not mistaken, believe that before things get bad, we will be out of here. Now think of the disappointment when the Antichrist comes, the mark of the beast is being enforced, people are being killed, people are suffering, and it looks like Jesus has abandoned us, or it looks like, hey, this is not, this was not the plan. Jesus, you are supposed to come get us out of here before things get bad. Where are you? You know, and things like that. And the Bible says people will get offended and depart from the faith. They will get offended in God because 
we have been taught all our lives that we are not supposed to go through difficult times as Christians. But that's not what the Bible teaches. But it doesn't change the fact that we have created a false expectation that will not be met. And I tell people, what disappoints people is not really what other people do. It's just their own expectations. When you expect a certain thing and then it doesn't happen that way, then you are disappointed. So I have learned not to expect too much from people. That way I don't get disappointed a lot. Okay, so so the thing is, we currently have an expectation that is not going to be met. You know, um, um, we are we are creating an expectation that is not going to be met. That oh, we'll be gone before the Antichrist comes. No, we won't. And I will explain during the course of this month. No, we won't. The truth is, this is all I'll say tonight about that. If yeah, I got that. If the events of the book of Revelation do not apply to the church, then that was a that was a waste of revelation. If it did not apply to the church, that was a waste of revelation because the world is not going to read the book of Revelation. Jews are not going to read the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is a letter to the church. So why would God take his time to show John all of those things with all of those details and talking about the mark of the beast and how people should avoid taking the mark of the beast if it was not relevant to the church. That, that's just a waste of information. The church ought not to fear death. Jesus was clear in John chapter 10, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, that we should not fear those who can only destroy the body but not the spirit, okay? Um, the Bible speaking in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15, it said that, People through the fear of death were subject to bondage all their lives. The fear of death puts people in bondage. It puts people in bondage. Um, a, a reggae musician, Peter Tosh, sang a song several years ago. He said, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? And I am not saying that we should all wish to die no because there is a purpose for us to be here on earth in in philippians chapter 1 and from verse 21 uh paul speaking he said i'm in a fix i'm not sure whether to go or whether to stay for me to go is more profitable for me he said dying is more profitable for me he said but for you it is more profitable and when i am here with you then i am able to preach the gospel to you and advance the kingdom so unless unless you know god has destined and i'll show us very shortly unless god has destined for you to die a matter there's no point um, going to look for death because then your dying simply means that whatever plan god had for you to fulfill on earth is going to be cut short and the truth is that is why the devil attacks believers that is why the devil tries to kill ministers to abort whatever God's plan or what God's purpose, you know, for their lives. Uh, is it is or was or are, whatever, you know, whatever tense you want to use. I said this a few weeks ago. I said the church that is not ready for persecution is not ready for the rapture. A church that is not ready for persecution 
is not ready for the rapture. Now, let me just show us something. Um, subsequently, I will explain to us the purpose of the tribulation and why the church needs to go through tribulation. It's not just because God wants to be wicked. There is a purpose. There's a divine purpose. There's a spiritual purpose that it serves. I'm going to explain that to us, but not tonight. Uh, but I want to just read a, a scripture to us. Uh, Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And verse 10. Reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Now in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12 again, it says, this means that God's holy... Okay, no, no, no. It, it won't be good if I read it from just there. Let's read from verse 9. Revelation 14 from verse 9. It says, Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength in God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue, and have accepted the mark of his name. And then what does it say next? This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And then the next verse says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this down, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds will follow them. Okay? And it is after this that we see the rapture in Revelation 14, 14, where it says, Then I saw a white cloud and seated on the cloud, was someone like the son of man he had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the clouds swing the sickle but the time of harvest has come the crop on earth is ripe so the one sitting on the clouds swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested all right jesus also said something similar in matthew chapter 14 that the angels will harvest and he also said something similar in the parable of the tears and the wheat all right and he said that both the tears and the wheat will grow together but during the harvest they will be separated and if you go further in revelation chapter 14 it talks about a second kind of harvest from verse 19. it says so the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of god's wrath so these are the tears the wheat have been harvested the tares have now been harvested separately for judgment, okay? But we'll talk more about those things later. Blessing Ikedeme is saying, these persecutions, are the only hints on martyrdom or including the day-to-day -day challenges we go through? Well, that's a very interesting. It's not, I mean, we go through persecution every day, right? Um, people refusing to give you a job because you have a Christian name. Uh, a lot of people that study in the North, for instance, 
they don't let you graduate because you have a Christian name. Of course, these things are persecutions as well. They are persecutions. But I am talking specifically about the tribulation in the last days. And I am saying that things are going to get really rough. And, um, well, it will have to do with life and death situations. That's that's the point. Okay, so as we wrap up tonight, let's go to a very interesting parable that many of us know in Matthew chapter 25 from verse 1. Um, Matthew chapter 25 says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Let me read from the New Living, uh, from the New King James Version. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom the bridegroom now five of them were wise and five were foolish now this parable has been one of the most difficult parables for me to explain or to even understand and the reason is simple i have always been pre-tribulation rapture and if you are pre-tribulation rapture this parable becomes very very problematic because they were all virgins. All 10 of them were virgins. It means they were saved. So when it says some ran out of oil and some didn't, and only those who didn't run out of oil went into the feast, what constitutes those that ran out of oil? Some people have said, oh, the oil means the anointing. Going for the feast has nothing to do with the anointing. Okay, but let's read. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. <clears throat> but the wise took oil in their vessel with their lamp. So the ones, the foolish ones took lamps. There was oil in the lamp, okay? But they did not take extra oil. The wise ones took their lamps. There was oil in the lamp, but they took oil with it as well. Now take note of this, verse 5, but while the bridegroom was delayed, in other words, he didn't come when everybody thought he was going to come, they all slumbered and slept, take note of that, all of them, all of them, so it's not like five were awake, five fell asleep, and so when the bridegroom came, it was those that were awake, no, no, so whatever happened here happened to both the ones with oil and the ones without oil. It says, and at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. So there was an announcement. And the Bible is very clear that before Jesus comes, there will be certain signs that will, Jesus said, when you see all of these signs happen, he said, know that, know that your redemption is near, okay? So there will be a form of announcement. You know, even when the Bible says that he will return as a thief in the night, Paul said that we are not uh, of those that it will, uh, how did he even put it? it? It's not going to happen suddenly to us. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can show that scripture to you. He said it's not going to happen suddenly to us. The coming of Christ is not going to happen suddenly to us. There are enough signs. We are going to know it. We are going to feel it. That it's, it's about to happen. 
Verse 7, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Now take note, it's not that there was no oil at all, it was that they did not have enough oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Now what is this saying? This, this parable is saying that they were Christians who were going through similar, similar circumstances. The difference was some of them had previously built enough capacity to take them through the dark hour until the return of Christ. But the others did not build enough capacity. And so when the darkness came, they were stranded. And when I see the body of Christ right now, it is very easy to tell that so many people are going to be stranded when the darkness comes because we are not prepared for it. So when you see Jesus, Jesus kept talking to his disciples and saying, watch and pray that you be counted worthy. Watch and pray, watch and pray. He was simply telling them, build capacity, build capacity build capacity because you are going to need it. You are going to need it. Now, somebody that is thinking, oh, we are going to be out of here before anything happens. He's not going to build capacity. What's going to happen? When things get tough, they are going to get offended and they are going to depart from the faith. Now, it is possible for you to be prepared for the rapture and not be prepared for the tribulation or to think you are prepared for the rapture and not be prepared for the tribulation. But it is not possible to be prepared for the tribulation and not be prepared for the rapture. Okay, so what do we have to lose by preparing for the worst and hoping for the best? Absolutely nothing. All right, absolutely nothing. So what we need to do now as the body of Christ is to prepare ourselves, build capacity, build our faith to the point that we are willing to lay down our lives for what we believe, build our faith to the point that we are willing to watch our family die and not renounce our faith. And you don't do this overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes a process to get to this point. And that is what we need to be doing now. That is what we need to be doing now. Build capacity, build capacity, build capacity. All this, all this one that uh, somebody is giving God ultimatum. Um, if I don't have a husband in the next six months, I am going to backslide. Is, it the kind of, is that the kind of Christianity that will take somebody through tough times? I submitted 10 prayer points in Shiloh last year. Uh, seven of them were not answered. Uh, God is not real. And next week, we are going to talk about the rapture. 
but see, just follow just just follow this series for this month it's going to be very interesting we're going to talk about pre-tribulation mid-tribulation post-tribulation rapture theories and i'm going to just put the facts in front of us and then let us decide which one we think is more credible and remember what i said it doesn't mean that everybody will need to die even jesus said that the days will be shortened so that some people will be spared um a lot of people will have to die eventually but not everybody is going to die not everybody is going to be killed not everybody is going to be killed but anyway we'll talk more about talk more about those things all right in closing i want to read us a scripture hebrews chapter 11 hebrews chapter 11 from verse 33 it says by faith these people overthrew kingdoms ruled with justice and received what god had promised them they shut the mouths of lion quenched the flames of fire escaped death by the edge of the sword their weakness was turned to strength they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight women received their loved ones back again from death but others tortured refusing to turn from god in order to be set free all right you see that so this thing is not today bible is saying they were tortured refusing to turn from god for, for their freedom they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection some were jeered jeered at and their backs were cut open with whip others were chained in prisons some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Now I'm taking note of this. Yet none of them received all of all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. So God is saying all the things that these people went through, we are going to be the perfection of everything that we went through. Let me answer these questions. Um, Christy, building capacity, she's saying, so building capacity is basically being aware and preparing our minds for whatever. No, it, that's not basically it. No, no. Building capacity is developing our faith to a point where it is firm and solid. Jesus speaking in Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, he said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? And that is the key thing. We need to get to a point where our faith is solid in Jesus Christ, come what may, okay? So when we talk building capacity, we need to come to that point where we have an unshakable faith in Christ, no matter what happens to this physical body, okay? A white flame said, no question, just no surprise at the things you say. Before you started these teachings, I knew it would happen maybe in the next generation or the one after. And it feels like it would happen before the next century is over. Oh, trust me, white flame. Uh, the things we are talking about are most likely going to happen over the next 10 years. Uh, this is the generation that will experience the events in the book of Revelation. I have no doubt about that. 
I have absolutely no doubt about that. Um, the scientific advancement over the next five years will shock the world. It will completely shock the world because things are about to move at a very, very, very fast pace. Um, COVID was an experiment to see how much people will be willing to give away, give up their freedom for survival. And they have found, they have found a key to controlling humanity. And so they are going to use sickness. There will be other pandemics apart from COVID. COVID was just an experiment. Uh, um, okay, Romeo is asking if it's only the present church that will go through tribulation. Yeah, it's just those people that are on earth. Uh, people that people that have died, um, well, they have escaped. Yes, Mr. Adesanya, I can ask your question. Um, and that's why, you know, <laughs> that's why uh, Paul was saying, you know, don't don't weep about those that have... Sorry, Mr. Adesanya, I'll, I'll get to you. Um, you know, we were saying don't weep about those that have died. <laughs> you know, like you don't have hope. Because, yeah, when you look at some of the things that are coming ahead, sometimes um, dying may just not be too much of a bad idea if, if you want to escape, to be honest. Yes. Because um, the church started in blood and a lot of persecution, and it's going to end the same way. The church age is going to end the same way that it started. Um, there was a lot of persecution. and Okay, since we are here, I'm just going to tell us two things, two very important reasons why the tribulation is important for this last day and why why we are experiencing it before the return of Christ. Um, number one, every time the church was persecuted, it expanded. In Acts chapter 8, we see that the more the church was persecuted, as people were fleeing to different cities, they were spreading the gospel, and it was expanding. Jesus is returning for a glorious harvest. He wants a big harvest. And the persecution of the last days is not going to weaken the church spiritually. It's going to strengthen the church spiritually. It will look like it has weakened the church physically because God will give the systems and the government's authority over the church. So physically, it looks like the church is weakened, just like in the book of Acts. But spiritually, the church is actually stronger. That's number one. Number two reason for the persecution and the tribulation is to separate the church from the world. It's to separate sheep from goats. It's, it's to, it's to it, you, you know what I mean. It, it's, a, it's a sifting process. Uh, because right now the body of Christ, you, you and I both know there's so much happening in the, in the body of Christ. You know why? Because there's so much religious freedom and a lot of junk is going on. Have you ever seen a false prophet from China? Have you ever seen a false prophet from Iran? Have you ever seen a false prophet from Pakistan? Those are places that just being a Christian alone can get you killed or get you thrown into prison. All right? So there you only have the real stuff. If somebody says, I'm a Christian, it's the real stuff because they know being a Christian comes with a price. But then when you look at America, you look at southern parts of Nigeria, you look at South Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia, a 
lots of false prophets. Why? There's religious freedom. People can do whatever they like. And so the, 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 the quality of Christianity in the countries where there's religious freedom is a lot less than the quality of Christianity in, in, in countries where there, there are consequences for being a Christian. Even in Nigeria, when you look at Northern Nigeria, how many false prophets do you know from, from Northern Nigeria? Because being a Christian alone in Northern Nigeria is difficult enough. Okay? And this is, this is what is going to happen in the last days because God needs to separate the church from the rest. And so this persecution that is about to hit the body of Christ is going to tell who is who. So if you are a false prophet simply doing it because of money to con people, are you going to want to die for your faith? No. Because Jesus is returning for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, and he is going to get what he wants. And this is how he's going to get it. <laughs> um, um, Romeo, don't pray to die. Just pray for God's will to be done in your life. <laughs> it's not everybody. Remember the scriptures I showed us from Revelation. Those that are destined for jail will go to jail. Those that are destined for death will die. God does not give to people more than they can handle. Trust me, he doesn't give to people more than they can handle. If he brings it your ways because he knows that he has put within you, the, the capacity to handle it. So this is not for people to get terrified or anything like that. Look, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something very interesting about death. There is no pain in death. If they put a gun to your head, you probably just feel a pinch. And the next thing you are standing in the presence of Jesus. So even that body that may be on the ground bleeding and struggling, you are no longer there. As a matter of fact, a lot of times before terrible things happen to believers, the spirit of this saint has already left the body. Like some of the motor accidents and things like that. This, the moment God knows this person is dying, the spirit of that person has left. It's the body that went through the motion. So relax. This is why we need to develop capacity to build faith. You know, this is why it is important. Because we are too earthly minded. That's the truth. We are too. We are really too earthly minded, and that needs to change. That needs to change. Mrs. At this time, I was going to ask a question. I'm so sorry. Please go ahead and ask your question, ma'am. Sir, you talked about it because I was thinking uh, this kind of topic that you are talking with us. I've had it that was about seven years ago. In my church, we've never discussed anything about tribulation. Everything is just like a rosy, Christian living, even when you have ordinary personal tribulation. People will just be coming on the altar, seven hours, things like that. We don't really want to face anything so stressful. So I'm thinking that this kind of believers that we are, unless we have a personal study of the word, the, the altar, this kind of word is not coming from the altar. How would we escape this? Um, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting question. Um, so it is now for the, the body of Christ, the, the, the teachers and the pastors in the body of Christ to be open-minded enough to receive in humility and with meekness the fact that we have been wrong about a number of things and begin to prepare the church. 
as individuals, there's only so much we can do. That's the truth. That is the truth. There is only so much that we can do. And um, God will help us. God will help us. Although the knowledge is growing, it is growing. And I believe that in the next few years, it will grow even further. I believe that very strongly, that it will grow very further. So there is hope. There is hope. Um, um, God, you know, God God will help us. He knows the He knows the state and the position of his body. And he knows what he needs to do. So I am sure that God will do what he needs to do to get us to the place where we need to be before these things will begin to happen. Yeah, but it, it is concerning. God God bless you for that question, Mrs. Adesanya. Like like Mrs. Adesanya said, the truth is the, the majority of Christians are not ready and uh, we need to we need to begin to you know the truth is when you hear it initially, you may fight it and because what we want for ourselves is different. But at least just get the information first that there is this possibility. And maybe it will take a year before it sinks, no problem. But at least let's be able to, you know, let's be able to even inform people that, look, guys, there is this possibility. I mean, if it happens that we are wrong and then, palm, we are in the presence of Jesus dancing Owambe all through the time the Antichrist is on earth. Glory be to God. We have nothing to lose. Okay. But the thing is, let's keep developing and building capacity. What do you have to lose? That's the question we should ask ourselves. In everything that I have said tonight, if I am right, what do you have to lose? If I am wrong, what do you have to lose? You know, so the truth is you really have nothing to lose either way. So why not just prepare and develop capacity? If it turns out that Jesus just shows up, great, we'll be gone anyway because you've been building capacity. Amen. Uh, God bless you all. Thank you so much again for your time tonight. We will continue in this line. Like I said, for the whole of January, we will be looking at the book of Revelation and the end time.